Help is on the way. A look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. specific texts here in the book of John reveal for us the marvelous role of the Holy Spirit. Greetings and welcome to Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard, takes us to the book of John today. It's there that we get a glimpse of the helper who has come. That is the title of our message today. Please join us as we consider our helper, the Holy Spirit, with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Again, Help Has Come, the title of our series. Once again, our teacher and pastor now. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, there's various translations, counselor, comforter, uh, paraclete. Uh, this, Arnton Gingrich, Kittle, they all say this is the best one word that conveys this word. Called alongside for the purpose of giving help. That's the original word. It's used in 1 John of Christ's advocacy in heaven as our lawyer. Here, it's used of the work of the Spirit in us in our earthly journey, called alongside to give us help. And he's of the same kind of help as Christ. And that's reflected in the word another of the same kind of help as I have been to you. Now, why would he think they needed help? They're all going to bail out this night. They're all going to deny they know Christ. They're all going to flee. You know, um, one of the trickiest things in the world is to hire the right staff. If you don't hire right, you are stuck with a mess on your hands. And I've had some of those. You would think Christ could pick a little bit better. Is this the best you can do, these 11 failures? But look, he picked you. I said he picked you. You haven't done any failing. Now go lying again. What would you do if he hadn't picked you? Has he had to deal with any failings? Any fleeing? Going back? Falling down? This, that. Well, Christ says in that room, basically, you guys are going to need help if this thing's ever going to get off the ground. And I'm going to go to the cross and pay for the ministry of the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to be my cross gift to you. Besides atonement, besides all that the cross accomplished, I'm going to purchase the Spirit. Now, most conservatives are scared to death of the Spirit because they think you're something else. But Jesus bought me the help of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not afraid to talk about the third person of the Trinity. You don't have a complete God without the Holy Spirit. So get over your phobia. I, it's amazing to me, one person seemed like that'd be enough, but he tells me in salvation, you get three of us. Can't develop that. I want to look at three things. I want to look at the filling ministry of the Spirit came to help us. 
And I want to look at three things. We've been commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Two, what are the characteristics of Spirit filling? Thirdly, I want to look at four conditions. There's more probably, but I'm going to just give you four conditions to come under the Spirit's control in your life. Ephesians 5.18 says, stop getting drunk with wine that makes you dissipate, makes you uh, lose all of your energy and strength. You waste your life when you're drunk. Rather, be getting yourself full of the Holy Spirit. It, in the Greek language, it's a command. Now, if God commands something, what does it mean if you don't obey it? Stop stealing. Well, I'll pray about it. You don't need to pray. You need to obey. Be filled with the Spirit. Well, I'm not sure. That scares me. No, no. He commanded it. I want you to be under the control of the Spirit, and it's a command. If you're not under the control of the Spirit, that means the flesh can uh, make you do carnal behavior. Uh, you don't have the power to meet the heavenly standard of new covenant living apart from the ministry of the Spirit. You just can't live this kind of life. The Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. And, and don't tell me the law. The whole nation blew it. The Spirit is fulfilling in me what the law commanded but could not enable. Romans 8, 3, and 4. I live the Christian life not by rules but by a living person and reliance on him. So we have to ask, are you obeying this command? Would your life be characterized as being intoxicated, influenced, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we'll be looking at what the consequences of that looks like. Can we measure it? We can. Some characteristics of spirit filling that we ought to consider. One thing, every work of the Spirit is automatic, universal, and just happens. And you never ask for it. You never have to. Uh, he regenerates you. Uh, once for all, happens to all believers. He sealed you into the body of Christ. Once for all, done. You never ask. Get yourself sealed. You're sealed. Baptized by the Spirit. You are immersed into the body of Christ. I'm never told to seek the baptism. I grew up, you sought the baptism and hoped you would talk in tongues. But I'm never told to seek the baptism. I am automatically immersed into the body of Christ. I became a member of the body. Said, done. Indwelling of the Spirit. Please give me the Spirit, Lord. Please give me the Spirit. Send your Spirit. Send your Spirit. Wait a minute. He doesn't have to send what's already living in me. You hear? I, I need the Spirit. I need the Spirit. You got the Spirit. What are you doing with him? How much of the Spirit is in you? Good. Because I grew up with people that filling of the Spirit, they had a spatial concept. You know, the glass is half full. But when you bring a person and I say, they're in your house, does that mean half their body? They got caught in the door, you know. We slammed it so a leg is in the house. The Holy Spirit is a person, 
not a bushel of wheat. He's not water. He's a person. So you've got all the spirit you can ever get. Well, what does it mean to be full of him? It's for him to get all of you and for you to come under his control, his total control. Is he in complete control? And what's tricky about that, you can be controlled by the Spirit 10 minutes ago and boom, do something crazy 10 minutes later. Sin is a scary thing. He told Cain, it's as secretive and as scary as a lion getting ready to pounce on you. Sin desires you like a lion, Cain. And when you're not looking, boom, it's leaped on you. And before you know it, you've done something you never thought you were capable of doing. It is scary. Sin can happen. What you can do in 15 minutes may not be erased from your record for the rest of your life. So, we're commanded, be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18. It's likened to wine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with drinking wine biblically. They all did it. There's something totally wrong with getting drunk on it. But the idea of the drunkenness is it influences your behavior. It, it takes over. Rather, rather be getting yourselves filled with the Spirit. Now, this is interesting. Spirit filling is never once for all. Acts 2.4. They're in the upper room, and they're all filled with the Spirit. You go to Acts 4, and Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, got up, and he said certain things. Verse 31, and they had a prayer meeting, and the Spirit came down and filled all of them. Hey, they'd already been filled back in Acts 2. Filling is a repeated experience. It's not once for all. Two, not all believers are Spirit-controlled, or he wouldn't tell us to get it. Why would he command it? He told the uh, Corinthians, right now you're acting carnal in chapter 3. You're acting fleshly in your behavior. You're in the party spirit. Uh, you are, are haughty towards Paul. Chapter 5, one of your members is living with his uh, stepmother. Chapter 6, you're dragging each other into court. Chapter 7, some of you are sleeping around. Chapter 8 through 10, you're fighting and having confusion over meat issues. Chapter 11, you're ruining the Lord's Supper by getting drunk at the agape feast, and you're coming there drunk. The slaves are not getting a meal, and some of you are drunk, and I'm killing some of you off. Chapter 12 through 14, you're fighting about gifts. Who's going to get on the floor? Who's going to dominate the meeting? Tongues have taken over. Chapter 15, there's a party among you that is denying the resurrection. And if there's no resurrection, Christ did not rise. Chapter 16, one thing they agree on, you need to take an offering. <laughs> now concerning the collection. When you don't know what to do, take an offering. So you can have the Holy Spirit, you can have gifts, and still not be spirit controlled. Have you ever heard of church fights? Have you ever heard of pastors that everybody thought they were anointed and all they were was mad? It wasn't anointing, they're just mad. This is angry. Board meetings falling apart. 
confusion, devouring one another, gossip, rumors. This church or any other church can fall apart less than a month. Just unleash sin and everyone that's sitting here and we'll destroy this place. It is scary. So we ask each other and we greet them, are you under the control of the Spirit? Why, yes, I am. Uh, I don't think so. Four things I believe you've got to do to be Spirit-filled. Four things. Number one, presentation. I call it presentation. Number two, purification. Number three, reliance. Number four, Christ-centeredness. Number one, if I ask you, are you spirit-controlled, and you said no. If you said, tell me how to, the first thing I would ask you is, uh, have you ever offered yourself to God? Look at Romans 6. Romans 6. He's telling them how to live the Christian life. He's been telling them about salvation. Now he moves to the fact you're in union with Christ. You've been taken out of Adam. You're in Christ. You've died. You've been buried. You've been risen with him. I appeal to you. What is your appeal? Verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is a mental thing. Consider yourself in Christ. I'm dead. I'm unavailable to sin. I am available to God only. Okay. Verse 12. Therefore, stop letting sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Sin remains in the believer, but it is not to reign over me. I'm not under the reign of sin. That's been broken through the work of Christ. I still have a sin nature, but I'm not under the kingship. It's a word basilea. I'm not bossed. I'm not under the dictates of the flesh. I've got something stronger in me than the flesh. It's not me, it's the Spirit. And by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. Romans 8, 13, the famous John Owen's thesis. Are you with me? Watch now. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Your body, have you ever taken it? This is what he begs in Romans 12, but this is where he begins. You take your members, you say, I used to cuss, cheat, lie, be immoral, get drunk. I've done so much in this body unrighteous against God. Now I'm saved. What should I do with my body? Have you ever heard of making a presentation to God? Say, you saved me. You can have my body. 
take me. I'm no longer a slave to immorality, drugs, alcohol, hate, anger, all the stuff that I used to do in this body. Here's my body, Lord. We call it dedication. We call it consecration. You know what the word here for present means? It's a little word, parestomy. It means this. Now get it. To put yourself at God's disposal. That's the meaning. I ask you. I ask you adults. I ask you young people. Have you ever done that? I was saved at 14. I lived it for about three or four months. Then I backslid when I first started the ninth grade. I like rock and roll and dances, and we couldn't do that stuff. So I went back. I got right with the Lord in the ninth grade. I went to a youth camp in 1959. You kids remember that year? Uh, the earth's crust was hardening. Uh, went there in 59, Pentecostal camp in Northern California. And there, I gave God my body. That's where I made the presentation. You can have all of me. A Thursday night missions conference with a Trella Hatton preaching. A woman preacher. She preached circles around anybody in this place when she was into it. Didn't have a lot of content, but oh, what an exhorter. Powerful. Pray all day at those camps. I used to go and sit in, hear her pray in the next room. I couldn't believe anyone could pray that long. And that night, at an old altar with death, sawdust all over, I said, Lord, I'm at your disposal. You get the rest of my... And, and, and on that night, I, I, these questions, what if he wants me to go to Africa? That was always the test. What if he wants you to go to New Guinea? You know what you do when you're giving your body? Anywhere you want, you got me. Anywhere, anytime, any place, I'm not negotiating with you. I'm offering myself to you. It was used of offering an animal as a sacrifice. And Romans says, God is sick and tired of dead animals. He wants some living sacrifices. That's you. I ask you, in this church, how many people have ever said to God, you got all of me. I'm at your disposal. I don't think many have. Young people, let me tell you, you'll begin to discover the will of God and discover what he's designed you for once you tell him, you got me. I'm at your disposal. Because Romans 12 says, then you'll discover the will of God. What's good? What's perfect? What's acceptable? You'll discover your spiritual gift. For me as a 15-year-old, my whole life started unfolding. Once I gave him my body, then I found out he wanted me to preach. Then I knew this. And from then on, I've had one vision, just to be at God's disposal wherever I am, wherever he wants. It doesn't matter the assignment. I am available. I settled it in 1959, and I renew the contract every day. 
had a preacher friend, George Rutenbar. He said he woke up every morning, and what he would do, the first thing, and he was a big guy, he, he would do like this, Lord, I'm available today. My eyes are yours. My ears are yours. My mouth is yours. My feet are yours. You got me. I'm reporting for duty. Did you do that today? Have you ever done that? First step is presentation. The second step is purification. He says in 2 Timothy 2.19, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them who are his. Let him who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And cleanse yourself so that you can be a vessel fit for the master's use. And it's the theme in the believer. Once you give him your body, you start dealing with sin that you've done in your body. You start getting clean. God had accepted the offering. Now he starts working on our life, our mouth, our thought life, our attitudes. Purification. He starts, he says, from now on when you sin, I want you to confess it immediately. Don't delay getting clean. The moment you do it, confess it. What if I don't? I like my sin. Well, good for you. God says, if you're my child, I've got a work of the ministry called the grieving of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to make you miserable. And when I meet miserable Christians, sometimes I say, hallelujah, there's a Holy Spirit. I hope you stay miserable every day you don't surrender. God gave up his best, and he can't give you, get you to give up your little old body. You think he bought you to do your own thing? You think he bought you to sit back? I'm not available. I, I'm going to dabble in porno. I'm going to mess around with this. I'm going to lust after women. I'm going to cuss. I'm going to have a double life. I'm going to do this. I, hey, I, I'm, you just get me. The cross took care of me. Oh, yes, it did. And it bought you the right for God to step in and chasten you. Because sons get chastening. They never get rejected. They get spanked. Because he wants to purify you. He told the Corinthians, you're ruining the Lord's table because you're going there drunk. But I'm going to make you sick. I'm going to make you weak. And I'm going to kill some of you. Then he goes on to say, if you would judge yourself, you would not be judged. But if you don't judge yourself, I will judge you. Chastening judgment. Have you gotten straight on sin? I don't care what problems we have in the church. I, I say that reservedly. I don't want any problems. But I always say to staff, we may make uh, tactical errors. Let's always be on the right side of sin. Nobody infallible around here. We make mistakes, but I want to be on the right side of sin. I don't want to sin. 
And this is Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Closing out our time together today, we would leave you with our address, our phone number, our email, website. It's all available for you to find out a bit more about us, and we would love for you to stop by and check out valleybible.org. We have a lot of information there. Again, valleybible.org. You can drop us an email there. Let us know if you'd like a copy of today's program or not. In fact, we have the entire series today's message was taken from for a gift of $10 or more this month when you contact us here at Truth For Today. Again, valleybible.org or write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Of course, as always, you're welcome to give us a call, toll-free, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And again, for a gift of $10 or more, we'll send you today's broadcast along with the series today's message was taken from. Again, it's our way of saying thank you for partnering with us financially, knowing that these broadcasts encourage you on a day-by-day basis. Please contact us today and let us know how we can best assist you in your walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. As always, you're welcome to join us for worship. Service times here at Valley Bible Church are at 9 and 11, and we do have child care provided at each of these services. Details, again, can be found at valleybible.org or simply call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next week at this same time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.